Hello, welcome to Day One Patch Podcast, episode three forty nine. I'm your host Ryan Johnson. Uh, only one other with me today, Matt Lawrence. I was gonna say, can you guess who it is? I'm dying over here. <laughs> okay, What's um, going on over there, Ryan. Come on, bud. It's just started the choking. show. We just coughing choking up along. Just as we started the show. Uh, some of the top stories this week include the PS5 is finally receiving its M.2 SSD support and will be available in the next upcoming uh, beta. Uh, the chip shortage. Uh, still no end in sight, although they're predicting an end of 2023. EB Games Canada in local news has been rebranded to GameStop. Also, we're, he- we're hearing from uh, ex-PlayStation boss Sean Layden, who bemoans Matt's favorite word. Uh, consolidations effect on diversity and smaller games. And then finally, gaming is so popular that the, an EA executive says that the term gamer is outdated and basically useless. So we'll be talking about those stories in the next hour or so. But Matt, what's new with me? you? What's new with me? What's new with you? Uh, so we've been doing the the 76. Uh, we've been doing a fair bit of Battlefield, actually. Uh, Battlefield Five. Just sort of a late night game. We jump into a couple rounds and then kind of jump off. Um, Battlefield Five is still like it's it's still kind of eh to me, like in terms of a game that I wouldn't want to purchase. But like with friends, it's really fun, so that's good. Uh, it's still I don't know the maps just seem really limited to me and stuff like that. But like the the chaos we get into the chaos and trouble that we get ourselves into in jeeps and stuff is pretty funny. Uh, and it's yeah, like I said, it's fun to play your friends. So that, that that's good. Um, I wouldn't the, see the thing is too that's interesting about Battlefield Five too. Just to sort of talk about that slightly is that we all bought Battlefield One and we all played the crap out of Battlefield One and then Battlefield Five come came around and we all are playing the PlayStation Plus version. And I think that kind of speaks volumes to the fact that you know EA kind of screwed that up. So I'm really hoping that 2042, the new one, is going to kind of step it up because I don't know what they did, but it was well. I mean, I can tell you what they did from my personal impression is that they took the most, in my opinion, the most chaotic shooter I've ever played. There's stuff blowing up everywhere, and it's just chaos. And you're using primitive weapons, and I'm talking about Battlefield One to be clear. It's just chaos, and they, the mm-hmm. the operations were cool, and they might last forever. So like, you can have these really like really tough matches where you lose two of your maps and then on the third map you hold them in the last sector and it's like super rewarding and that you know that can get a bit too lengthy and that game has certainly had its issues like it had weird problems where the party leader joined a uh, a game it would like ask you to join like it wouldn't force you in sometimes and then yeah it wouldn't sometimes give you that pop-up so then it was really awkward and then you'd be in like a queue and stuff so like it had its problems but the gameplay uh was like super awesome and uh i just felt and like I've talked to a couple other people because I, I I do I have actually purchased Battlefield Five not on PlayStation but on uh, Xbox years ago when it was new and we all kind of came to the con- came, game to the excuse me the same conclusion that they cleaned up War almost it was like the game felt clean for some reason mm-hmm. and there wasn't enough maps um, but now you know there's more maps it keeps like it keeps recycling a lot of the maps uh, and some of the maps show up rarely but. Uh, you know, the, the new maps are well appreciated. The game has improved a bunch um, and there's no more like I remember you couldn't get the Thompson and the M1 Grand unless you um, and this is if memory serves, I could have been wrong, but uh, is, unless you did like a timed event in Battlefield 5 back then. Now it's just, you know, use these tokens to purchase it well, or unlock it with levels. So if memory serves me, I don't think the Americans were in the game at the start. Yeah, no Pacific, no Pacific, no so Americans. That's yeah. why there was no American weapons, right? But you could get it by doing like a timed event. Right. 
which is like really annoying because I didn't do them. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the thing is, is like that was that was at the era that was like in the the era, at least in my mm-hmm. gaming history, where like I was doing uh, Pokemon Go, like the raids had come out, so like that was timed. Uh, there was like I was doing something else where I had to oh Fortnite had dailies, weeklies, right? You had to do the season, and then battlefield started doing it and then all these other games started doing it and i just i remember that's what broke me and i don't know if you remember ryan but for like a while there like almost like a year or more i was just like oh like that's a cool thing like what's that and if someone said like oh like doesn't matter what it is you know press release and it's on some game some new features coming out i'm like what's that oh it's a timed event oh don't care and i won't even participate because mm-hmm. I just, I just didn't like. It was just like I can't be like attached no to these. Time. There's no time for these timed events. Well, there's no time, but there's also like, I kind of like the idea of like booting up my console and doing what I want to do, which is actually well, like, which is actually not what we're doing with seventy six necessarily, but um, we're kind of doing that timed event. But like that again, like if you have a group well, of friends, it's good. So the, the thing with seventy six is that if you're done the normal stuff like the missions and whatnot. Then there's nothing to do in the game. The season gives you an objective. Complete these challenges and get score and unlock items. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the problem you ran into is you didn't do the normal stuff you're supposed to do. You just focused on the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 76, to be clear, is like one of the first games, if not the first game since that lull in, in timed events that I've actually started doing timed events. Um, and you're right. I haven't been doing the single player stuff, but there's actually a probably a reason for that you know now that we started talking about it is that because we're playing it with friends like if you guys all stop playing 76 i don't think i'd be going after the season um and like yeah probably not you know what i mean and and mm-hmm. even though battlefield 5 was free for example to bring that back you know we're playing it because we all like playing it together like a- any game is good for the most part any game is good with, as long as you have like people with you but like if you don't yeah. have a bunch of people with you like you know it a game's flaws show themselves a lot more. Mm-hmm. If if we all quit, would you do the season, Ryan, in seventy six? Would you uh, be playing? Would you be playing Battlefield? Like, would you be playing Battlefield Five? You know, would I de- you be doing I any of that? I definitely would not be playing Battlefield, uh, and probably would not be playing Fallout because there's no future in it. I don't see the purpose of getting all those skins if I'm not going to be playing it into the future. But with all of us playing it, and we we send like articles and stuff to each other about updates on the game and whatnot. Um, you know, we, we talk about different loadouts and, and stuff. There's, there's actual investment of our time and prospects for the future of that game. Right. And that's what leads me to want to have, uh, the items from the, the scoreboard. You know, that, and, and that's a cool observation too, because, you know, if we bring it back to battlefield, you know, uh, I, you know, I have, I have my complaints about it, but it is really fun to play still, you know, it's mm-hmm. still a battlefield game. Um, and I was I jumped in that game and I remember telling you guys like I'm not doing any challenges not doing anything let's just boot the game up and then I ended up going for some challenges and it I think it really is that community aspect it's a good a good observation that it really is the community aspect that drives you along because now I have like the golden MP40 which is like not a huge deal to everyone else but it's a huge deal to me because it took me for friggin' ever uh, I'm not right. like the greatest shooter player in the world and um like now I can kind of like you know, show it off to you guys. It's not like I'm like flaunting it or you like we're all not flaunting our golden guns at each other, but it's still <laughs> like something where it's like, oh, I have this cool gun I can use when I'm in a squad with my friends type of thing. Right. Yeah. So it's like kind of, that's, it's, it's like uh, it's like uh, wearing a shirt. You don't you don't do it to show off, but you do it just that it, it represents your kind of personality, I guess. It's an extension of who you are. 
and and you're not faceless if you if you're with a bunch of people. Right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like the the community aspect makes makes Battlefield 5 and 76 super fun, but if everyone dropped off of both, I wouldn't I wouldn't be there probably. I would probably do the the 76 single player stuff. But well, I mean it's the same with Pokemon Go, right? Like I used to play with a bu- with a bunch of you guys and then uh, it like slowly kind of petered off and then Adriano and I were the last ones and then Adriano left and I did it for a little bit and then I just I just left as well. Um, but like you get your fill of it then too. Like if the whole community mm-hmm. drops off, usually it takes a long time, sometimes even years. Um, and then I mean, at that point, like you, you've you've completed <laughs> like I've I've completed Pokemon Go in my you know, I know there's more <laughs> to do. We'll probably like, never go back. Well, I mean, like Adriano makes a good point. You know, uh, where he always says uh, or he has said a few times that he really misses the beginning because no timed events, no, no, no BS. We used to go down to a local park here that's like on a bay and we used to just walk around this big park and like there was tons of other people doing it, too. And you would like uh, not trade with them, but they would like call out, hey, there's a magic here. Hey, there's this and that. And then just us like we'd get a heck like I, I never uh, I never got that much exercise in my life, probably. And we used to walk for kilometers, like 15 kilometers in a night was a couple of our nights. Like, seriously, mm-hmm. like a super mm-hmm. long, like super long walk. I'm not doing that anymore. Right. So that really sucks. You know, uh, it'd be nice to get back to that uh, and have a game, either Pokemon Go or something like it to kind of like motivate that because that was super fun. Uh, and like, I probably felt better. <laughs> I was probably yeah. more fit that fit when I was doing <laughs> that, too. Um but yeah, oh, especially uh, after these two years of COVID, just been sitting around mostly. There's that too. Yeah, yeah. Probably like feel a lot great of just, to get walking again. Just walk, just actually walk around. Well, I remember I walked like three blocks, and like I like I wasn't tired, but my legs were feeling it, and I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is from sitting. <laughs> this is from sitting. I now I do stand a lot when I play games with a controller, mm-hmm. uh, specifically on a console. So I do get like I don't just sit the whole time, but I am sitting a lot of the time. So, right. Uh, but like other than the the you know the traditional multiplayer stuff uh, that we've been doing, uh, I've been doing uh, Homefront, the Revolution. It is a game. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a it's game. so it's so sad. So like I I went back and. I beat the first Homefront. I mentioned that last week, and I I went into YouTube and I thought, you know what, I'm going to look up some Homefront videos. And usually, when you type in, you know, the name of the game, a bunch of stuff shows up, and it didn't. And then I kind of like typed in retrospective a couple days later because I didn't like spend a lot of time looking for for videos. And I did find some videos, you know, like is Homefront good? Is Homefront bad? This and that. And I like watched this one guy's video, and it's a pretty old video, but like I watched this one guy's video, and he was like really ripping it to pieces. And, and I was like, you know, he's like this one guy and I don't even remember his channel name, but you know, he's right. But like, I'm looking at it from the perspective of like the story was really good. And I thought that, like the topics they covered was really good. I can forgive the like mechanics. The guy was like, I don't like the formula of like follow, wait, follow, wait, clear arena, follow, wait. And I was like, yeah, but that's just kind of a shooter to me. Like mm-hmm. every shooter does that, whether they cover it up well or mixes it up, mix it up, or maybe they do have a different mechanic, but like a lot of shooters are just like that. And I'm willing to forgive that. Uh, same with the Terminator game, like the Terminator resistance game. Mm-hmm. That game is like very run of the mill, but I really liked it because I just like the Terminator universe. So I'm willing to like overlook the fact that it's just like a free, op- like a run around a free open world or not completely free, but like a mostly free open world and like do objectives, side objectives, main objectives, all the rest of it. So that's what Homefront 
2 is. So Homefront 1 is a linear shooter. Um, Homefront 2, or Homefront the Revolution more specifically, uh, is... Like it, 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 it's it's really is just a disappointment for me, uh, to be honest. It 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 tries like it tries to cover some of those topics from the first game. Where remember I was mentioning like there's like the whole moral thing of like, hey, like I found this weapon, let's go use it on the enemy. The one person who's like one of the resistance leaders finds out it's white phosphorus, and it's like, mm-hmm. hey, what the fuck? Like we shouldn't be using this. And they're like, I stole it from the enemy. We're gonna use it on them because they were gonna use it on us. And it's like. It's like it's like a real thing that would probably happen, right? Like people like mm-hmm. would be arguing because the one guy's more like a soldier. This person's a little bit more like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this type of thing, whatever. And so, uh, you know, you don't get to know these characters super well. That's why I don't know. I don't even know their names. But <laughs> um, but like it's just it just felt like a real it felt really cool. And I really liked having the real uh, like places like Tiger Direct and White Castles and Hooters and all the rest of it. Like I like seeing real real stuff like that. This game comes out and it seemingly, seemingly, I haven't read all the notes and stuff, seemingly erases the first game, not 100% on that. And it's, and it, what it is, is it's North Korea has the best technology for whatever reason. And they have this company called Apex and they sell all this tech to everyone. Here's cell phones, here's this, here's that, here's all this advanced stuff. And so they get like a big, uh, like power. Uh, Or they get a lot of power from all that like financial power that they're getting. Right. And so America Mm -hmm. eventually starts buying weapons from them because they also have the most advanced weapons. And then America gets into a situation. I can't remember exactly what happens where their dollar falls. And so the debt then, you know, effectively skyrockets and it like throws America into chaos. And so the KPA, that's the the Korean uh, Association or something. I don't remember the name of the, the thing, but they they show up and they say, oh, we're coming to help your people because like you guys have no money. You guys are like really poor and there's chaos in the streets. So we're going to give you food and water and stuff like this. But then they start locking down the country and it's clearly like an invasion under the guise of like under the guise of like them offering aid to America Mm -hmm. that's in need type of thing. And so the game is actually, you know, it it gets set up pretty well. Like it, it, it's kind of similar to the first game where like it's pretty gritty in the beginning, this and that. But then what it devolves into is like, okay, you have these characters and it's like, oh, you have this character. He's like the one that doesn't want to fight too much. You know, he's the he's a doctor. So like he's trying to just help people. You have this other guy who he's just like the leader, like the traditional like I'm a leader and like we need to do this. It, I'll make the tough decisions if we have to, but I will listen to everyone. You have this one uh, woman that's like she's like I mean, your introduction to her is she, her trying to torture you. So she's like really. Uh, like that personality, she's really eccentric and she's trying to like do whatever. So like they're trying to kind of make the formula of the first game where there's like the people that are like, you know, a conflict of interest and this and that. Um, but then it, the game devolves into the gameplay loop of here's an open area. This open area either has people in it, meaning civilians. So it's a yellow zone. I think the, I think we're in Philadelphia. This is either a yellow zone where there's civilians and you can run around, help the civilians and get them to rise up and take over the sector. Or it's a red zone in which there are no civilians, but there's just like Korean soldiers here and there. And you got to go and like take over areas to like push the KPA out. But here's the dumb thing. Okay, here's an example. So I'm walking around for the first time in the free roaming area because the game has been semi-linear to this point. So I'm like, okay, I'll walk around. So you would think that like the KPA is like relatively organized. That's not the case. They're just sort of like randomly thrown around. There's like, oh, there's a random drone over here. There's a random little mech thing over here. There's a random thing over here. There's literally a part where there's a diner 
and it's like, oh, that's Joe's Diner or like whatever it is. The KPA took it over, put this big wall around it. And then they have like an oil refinery or something in there. And it's like this big stack and it has like fire shooting out of it, this and that. And I was like, what the heck's going on here? Like, like, why, why would they take over Joe's Diner to do this? And here's the thing is like, you think, okay, this is a big thing. So like some of the areas you capture, cause it's like, it's usually like a couple of blocks. So you go into an area, you like do an objective and it like makes the red area on the map blue. So it's like your area now. Um, some of them are like, you know, hack this or like do this, do that. These, these forts are like, you have to go in and you have to sabotage them. I went into this place. There was like four soldiers in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why the hell is there only four? Why is there only four guys in here? And then we just like took them out and that was it. And I, <laughs> and I swear this game like has like serious technical issues. Like I'm not really experiencing many glitches per se, but like, um, I think people are just spawning on me. Like uh, there's been times where I like walk out, walk around, like in a building and it's like a jump puzzle. It's like, how do you get to the top of this place? You got to do a little parkouring. So it's like, you know, you look out the windows, you find the scaffolding, you figure out how to get up to the top. So then I like, okay, yep. I need to get to the second floor, jump out the second window. Okay, good. I'm on the, I'm on this floor. It's the wrong floor. I got to go up or down, whatever. I've already cleared the other floors. I then go up the fl- up there and there's people up there. And it's like, why are there people in here? Like, why is there a bunch of people in this house? All of a sudden, like enemy soldiers. And then there's this thing where they have this big menacing airship that drives around and it's like pr- a pretty cool idea. And it has this scanner on it. It just scans all the time. It has this like blue or greenish scanner. Just scan, scan, scan. And if you cause a lot of ruckus, you like, you know, blow up the enemy's tanks, you kill a lot of guys, you're causing a lot of ruckus. They actually don't just passively use this thing. They send it in. And if you get detected by it, they call the soldiers in to your location. So you have to like get under a roof, you know, get, you know, get hidden, this and that. That thing is like super, not in every case, like it is like, you know, if that thing comes through, you got to run, but it's like super easy to lose. Like I like caused a bunch of ruckus and then I just like sat in a closet for a couple minutes. And the AI is just like dumb. Like I've ambushed the AI and they've taken cover on the wrong side of cover. So I'm like, oh, they're right here. And I've just killed, I've just killed them all. So it, it it's just like a real disappointment. Like it's, it's an open world shooter. And there's like your traditional missions and side stuff, this and that. But it's just like you should be fighting for these sectors, in my opinion. Mm. Like, you know, this should be like serious fighting, not like I literally there's literally a time in which I went up a little ramp, went up to a little terminal. I hack the terminal. It's like a viewpoint thing. I hack the terminal. That sector is mine. It's like, how did we push the KPA out of here? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean we pushed the KPA out of here? We didn't have a fight. No one was here. Like, where's the enemy? It's just, it, 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 the game feels like they built the world. They had the lore that they wanted to take from the original Homefront and whether they, again, whether they erased it or not, whatever. But it seems like they, they wanted to like take the first Homefront's ideas and then they built a world and they went, shit, what, what does the player do? <laughs> and so then they're like, okay, well, here's like, we'll throw some activities around and we'll do this and that. And like, that's what we'll do. And, like, there's like a lot of cool ideas in it. Like, I was telling you, Ryan, one of the cool things is, like, you're the resistance. So, you don't have the greatest weapons. So, the one guy gives you a pistol, and he's like, oh, you don't have a weapon? No, ca- no problem. Here's a pistol. And you're like, you know, hey, what, like, it's kind of like one of those moments where you're like, hey, what the hell? Although you are a, a silent protagonist. But you're like, hey, like, what the hell? Why can't, you know, I need something better. Like, I'm about to go out there and fight. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. Go talk to this guy. He'll give you a conversion kit. And you can convert your pistol like your guy literally takes the receiver off and makes like a makeshift SMG with it, which is super cool. 
So there's like really cool ideas and like you're running around gathering materials and like I am running out of materials sometimes like, oh shit, I can't attack this place because I don't have any explosives and there's lots of jeeps there and whatever. There's are things like that, but it's just it just doesn't feel like it feels soulless and it feels like it just needed more time and more polish. Like the soldiers are just scattered everywhere. Uh, it's just, it's a bit of a mess. And it, and, and to be honest, like, it's a real shame. Cause even though, like, I really like open world shooters like that. Like mm-hmm. I said, the Terminator game and that I really like open world shooters like that, even if they're mediocre. And this game does have some really cool ideas. And I know some people don't like the characters, but I do like the characters. I like that. They're very like opposite of each other. Like this person's really warlike. This person's like fully leader. This person's like a, a doctor and doesn't want to fight. And so like, I like the tension and stuff like this, even if they are like, um, a bit like a bit like unrealistic or like a bit too idealistic of like roles that you would have or whatever. Um, but like, I do really like that, but it's a shame. I don't know. It's a shame that it's a shame that it, it, it's in this package. Like it's just, it's really bizarre. Um, but yeah, that's uh that's home front. <laughs> and so you streamed the first one. Are you, are you streaming the second one? No, so I I bought so I bought the second one first actually. So I, mm. I I watched like a documentary on YouTube of the the downfall of Homefront or something by the channel Gamers, but I think that instead of an A, it's a V. Um, and I like watched how like the teams change because the one's by Chaos Studios, the other one's from somewhere a Deep Silver and someone else. And um, I bought the second one because the Revolution pack or whatever uh, had the season pass in it was only eight bucks and it's normally like you know your 40 or your 60 or whatever it was and so i was like okay like this is a good deal it's eight bucks but then i was like oh i'll just play the first one i'm sure the first one's on sale too looked it up couldn't find it didn't know it was on ps3 so then i that's that's what led me down the road of streaming so Uh i'm playing i'm playing this one locally and this game doesn't handle too well so (laughs) this game has like a really weird problem where if i'm up against a surface and i'm aiming my guy will start to like drift and I thought my analog stick was drifting. I was like, oh, fuck, like this freaking dual sense is already breaking. No, it's like when I'm up against something, my guy starts to like slide around sometimes. It's really it's really weird. Like it's it, it's this game feels like an indie game and it's honestly a shame, in my opinion. Like I know some people don't, I know Homefront's like like the biggest impact thing, but it's 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 a bit of a shame. I, I remember playing the the first one just because I kind of I, I kind of like the um altered history kind of stuff yeah so that, that, i always find that very fun uh and as far as shooters go i had no problem with the first one um it's obviously not like a call of duty or battlefield campaign or anything like that but it was just a fun game to kind of mess around with i thought that they like one of the things because i like the altered history as well like i've even played turning point if anyone remembers that that game's a train wreck um but I, I play Turning Point, like Fall of Liberty, I think, or something, where it's like World War II was lost and then America gets invaded. Um, so, like, it, like, the first one does a really good, te- like, this does a really good telling of what's happening there. Some people complain that the backstory of how North Korea rose to power is confusing. And I agree, like, I don't really get it because it was told really quickly in, like, a history channel, like, like, it showed, like, a map, this and that, whatever. Um, but like, I mean, you'll probably attest to this, Ryan, like the telling of the story that you are experiencing in that game, in my opinion, is actually really well done. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually like did care for the characters and like, I thought it was, the ending was super cool. Game's really short. Like the game absolutely has problems. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's a shame that it, it didn't become at least like I can't even really even think of another shooter that's like a side shooter from the big ones. Like something that you just like, like comes out every, you know, four years or three years <coughs> that you can just play through the story and maybe a little online or whatever. Well, nothing, nothing else really comes out consistent like that. But there have been just offshoot shooters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's always like your one offs, of course. But yeah, it's just Homefront. I think like if it was executed, I thought the first one was executed well with problems. Totally. I just feel like, I mean, maybe like and I, I don't remember all the stuff that I learned in the documentary. Maybe if chaos kept it and like the team was the same and they just said, let's improve this. Like we know the issues. The game's got to be longer, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it could have been like a side, like not a Call of Duty, but like, a, you know, an aside to it would be kind of nice mm-hmm. to have like a side release every few years or something. That'd be cool because you only, you know, spoiler alert, you only take you only really don't even take it. You 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 help the American military push into San Francisco on the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's like the first major successful offensive where they take Alcatraz, they take Golden Gate Bridge. And it's like, OK, maybe we are turning this guerrilla guerrilla war around. Mm hmm. And they, and then and that's like what the radio report. There's like a radio report that ends the game, and it's like, oh, cool. So in the next one, maybe I'm gonna take San Francisco, or I'll take a different place. But it d- didn't happen. Uh, as for myself, I have finished Ratchet and Clank. Hey, uh, I was holding off finishing it just because I thought I wanted to go after some of the the trophies. Um, however, when you do complete the game, it allows you to load back before the final mission. Um, however, there's one trophy where you need to you need to hit all of these I forget the crazy name of them, Blizz stones or Gloreboard things or something. What? <laughs> these stones that 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 will change what dimension you're in. So there's oh, one okay. planet where there's all these stones that you can hit and it changes what dimension you're in. Um you need to hit all of them for this trophy. However, if you play the story mission through that planet and you finish it, it locks off the final Aww. area where there are some stones to miss. And I I was reading on like some guys online and they're like, "Oh, you can you can there's this elevator you need to take up there." Right? And and it's closed off uh, after you complete it. And the the guide was saying, "Oh, you can jump and get over top of the gate to the elevator. Um, and But it said maybe they might have patched it out. And so oh, I was unable right. to get over that elevator. Which is weird, though, because they allow you to go back before the end of the game. And so I feel like I, it's like they want you to be able to go trophy hunt. Is that the last trophy you need, then? No, I only need like a handful more, but that's that's the one I ran into and said, okay, I'm just going to complete the game then. Right. Yeah, I always that's one thing I always do when I do trophy hunting is I look it up. And if there's ones where it says like requires multiple playthroughs or like Mm -hmm. you have to do this before mission 10 or something, I'm like, ah, like I kind of want to experience the game organically. Like I'm out. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, it's a completely platinumable game. or I guess an easily platinable game if you don't miss those. And so it kind of sucks. Uh, I'll have to figure out what I want to do before I delete the game. So how, okay, so how does the how does the game go? So like you do, you play the game, you do the whole, you know, story, whatever. Um, in the game, you can 
travel. So I'm I'm talking from like other games that I've played, other Ratchet and Clank games. You can use your ship, I presume, to travel between planets at will at any time. Yes. And at the end, you have the chance to do like a new game plus. Uh, yes. And you get well. and you get better weapons. Like the weapons can upgrade to higher, I presume, or no. Uh, that's unclear. They okay. might be able to, though. I can't remember what the wording said. I vaguely remember something to that effect. Because, like, in 2, because 2 is the one I played the most, 2 going commando, they, uh, I beat that game probably five, six times. And um, you would, like, go through the whole game, whatever, beat it, okay, go through the next, like, you'd go and start it again. But, like, on that first run through, so, like, that first redo, the first time you go into New Game Plus, your guns, I, and, like, this is my kid memory, but... You would level up your guns in the first playthrough, so not New Game Plus. You level them up to, let's just say, 10. And that's it. Okay, great. You have a great, you have a new gun now. And and I, I think they would actually change form as you level up, too. So you would level them up to, like, a maximum. And then when you do, do New Game Plus, the icon turns blue, and you actually have more levels to get for them. Now, whether that's held true for other games, I really can't remember. Um, just because two is I've, two is I've, I've played so much, it's, like, burned into my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I just, I'm just curious. Is it yeah, good? As far as I know, oh, the game is, it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. It's really good. well done. Um, as far as I know, the weapons have a level on them, uh, max level of five. And then obviously they have upgrade, uh, trees, uh, where you need the, um, uh, retainium, uh, to upgrade them. Oh, so you need to, oh, okay. I think. I want to say that's how some of the other modern ones worked, which I've only I'm played sure like that's once how the or not all the way through. So. 2016 one was. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was similar to that. Yeah. Because the first, like, anyway, that, it's good that, game. that 2016 game, like, reboots it, right? Like, that's a reboot, technically. Yeah, but, 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 uh, Rift Apart is not really a direct sequel to it. It sounds like there has been some time in between the two. You know what I mean? But this isn't the original Ratchet and Clank we saw on PS2 and eventually PS3, or is it? No. Well, how do you mean? <laughs> so you know how, like in 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 like the in Ratchet and Clank one, the 2016 one, it's mm-hmm. like kind of based on the movie. See, so you like jo- yes. know, like spoiler alerts, but you you like join the Galactic Rangers, this and that immediately. The Galactic yes. Rangers don't come into effect until two or three in the original series, like Ratchet and Clank and then Ratchet and Clank going commando. Mm-hmm. And then there's up your arsenal and all these other ones. Um, but so like, I'm wondering like is ripped apart that Ratchet and Clank or the 2016's Ratchet and Clank? 2016's Ratchet and Clank. Okay. So I think it is a, I think it's in the same, if you want to say, canon of the 2016 game, but it's not like it takes place like the next day or something like that soon. It's it, it feels like time has passed, or like maybe even all the events of the other games somehow took place, and then this game came out. Yeah, because you could like you're like, you're, a, you're like a celebrated hero at the start of the game, like the, the whole like city or planet, I guess, is like celebrating you and having this big parade for for Ratchet and Clank and stuff just for you <laughs> yeah yeah oh wow yeah okay yeah so then definitely some time has passed yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah fair enough cool also who was the villain in the 2016 one 
Was it uh, nefarious? Isn't it Drek? Drek? Dr. Drex? Drek? That makes more sense. Because so there already is a relationship with Nefarious and Ratchet and Clank in Rift Apart. So that's why I think like time has passed. So Nefarious comes in in up your arsenal, I believe. Okay. Because Drex? Drex? Something like that. (laughs) I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name. It's like it's it's like Chairman Drek or something like that. Uh, Chairman Drex in the first one. Second one is like there's these little like things that look like tribbles called called like I can't remember what the hell they're called. They were like trying to be sold as pets. Mm. And like I I can't pro something something I can't remember. Um but like yeah those those were the uh those were the villain. Like there's these little blue things and then there's like one really big blue thing at the end. That's the villain. Now what like whoever set that set that in motion I don't know, but up your arsenal you do you do meet nefarious and then i think mm-hmm. he's like recurring as, as far as i know because he's like a fan favorite uh other than that other than completing that today i also started uh the final fantasy 7 dlc uh intergrade or intermission intergrade or something <laughs> so what? whatever crazy name it has yeah uh anyway what's nice about that is that it's like a separate like whole kind of game so to speak um like when you load up the menu for Final Fantasy VII, it allows you to play the main like campaign or switch to the DLC. Um, so that was nice. However, <laughs> they tell you um, that the DLC does not go over the basics of the game. Uh, so if you want that, you need to start Final Fantasy VII first, the remake first. Do you use your save? I don't think it touches the save, no, because... My save is on the PS4 version, and I'm playing the PS5 version of the DLC. And I guess, again, this is one of those Sony things where you have to boot up the PS4 version, upload your save, and then download it to the new PS5 version. Uh, and I didn't do that. I just started the DLC. Okay, because I was wondering, because this this game is like episodic, right? Like the the thing that you've played before this DLC was like a was like a full game in terms of its length, but it was like part one of Final Fantasy of the VII, original, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, but, but it's not like you make choices and or anything. I don't think you'll need your save to play whatever second part of this story when it comes out, you know, is, is this an episode or like a side thing? Like, is this, is this furthering the story of Final Fantasy seven or is this a completely I believe, side? I believe so. Now I'm not a Final Fantasy seven, like historian. I never played the original <laughs> seven. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who this Yuffie character is. I do believe she is from the original uh, seven and this is advancing that story in some way. So cool. However, it looks fantastic on PS five. Holy crap. It looks really, it looked good on the PS four pro. It looks really good on PS five. I was going to ask you, I was going to actually ask you guys uh, last week too, uh, when we were discussing Final Fantasy, like how do you guys tackle these, these games that are so like so freaking big now? Like, one of the things that we have an advantage of with like say playing 76 is the fact that we have like we're established like we have houses we have this we have that we have all our you know our tools and we have all like the resources we've collected this and that like we're set up right mm-hmm. um and like it took a while to get there a long time so like where like how do you start these big epics cuz i'm one of these people where it doesn't matter what i'm doing for whatever reason it doesn't matter what i'm doing but like i will if and it's hard to get me to do this, but if I determine that something is a goal, like this whole home front thing or the red faction thing, I like can't let it go. And like last night I was like, you know what? Like after you guys left battlefield, I was like, I'm going to do one mission in home front. I did like four. 
because <laughs> I'm like, I got to get I got to get the end. I got to get to the end. And so these really big games to me, it's like, Jesus, like I'm not going to get into that. But collectively, like I beat three red factions already. And like, you know, all the red factions plus maybe the two home friends might be Final Fantasy. Like, I don't know if that's true, but it'd be a portion of it anyway, or a good portion of it, if not more than enough. So like what would, do you do you get that like drive where you're like I have to like I have to get further in this? Uh currently actually it's funny that you bring that up because just this week I kind of got that drive and that's kind of why I finished Ratchet and Clank and stuff. I've noticed that I've not been playing as much video games as I like. Like obviously we do the nightly like Fallout and Battlefield stuff, but but I'm not doing any of the story games that I typically like, right? Um, and so I kind of just sat myself down one day and just said, I'm going to, I'm going to finish Ratchet and Clank. I'm going to get whatever trophies I can. And then today I was like, I'm going to start Final Fantasy seven, you know? So I do have those moments where it's just like, I need to stop worrying about other things and just focus on a game and and something I want to do, you know? It's, it's, it's weird that like, um, as like kids, like, you know, every kid's different, but like as kids, at least in my experience, like I would just like wake up and play whatever game it was and a game mm-hmm. seemed like it was endless and I didn't care. It was just like, oh, I'm experiencing this world or whatever and I just didn't care about beating it. And like I beat very few games, but some I beat the living shit out of like going commando. Um, but like it, that was just the way it was. But then for whatever reason, like as adults and even like later teens, I guess, things had to become like goal based. It was like, I had to like, even if I'm not checking this off, I have to like check this off. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost like gaming has changed though, because that's how even the kids are experiencing gaming. Like if a kid is playing 76, assuming he's doing the challenges, he's checking stuff off, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. Like, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it's 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 something 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 broken me at some point. Um, I rarely, if ever now, wake up on a Saturday morning and play video games right away. That rarely happens nowadays, and I used to love doing that, you know. And I'm not sure what changed. I mean, one thing that's helped me is like I have I have like I got I told you guys like I think I mentioned this on the show once before, but one of the things I have done is I I started filling like spare time with games. Now that sounds mm-hmm. obvious, but it would be something like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm about to go on the podcast. And by about, I mean in three hours. So because I'm about to go on the podcast or whatever, like I'm about to go out or I'm about to go do this or do that. I like, wouldn't do anything. Like I would right. just turn on like a reality show or a show I've seen before and just, just rip that. Mm-hmm. And, and like, sometimes that's fine. I would just want to like turn my brain off, but like that's something that's just like wasting time. So yeah. one of the things I've been doing is I've been like, okay, like, you know, I have a couple hours and then I'll like boot up a game and like try that uh, or boot up a podcast. If like that's the thing I'm trying to get through at the moment or whatever, that's definitely helped. And mm-hmm. like having designated like there'll be times where I'm just like I'm designating this time as like I'm busy, like this two hours as I'm busy. But what I'm actually doing is just like playing a single player game because like I want to beat this mission in Mafia or like whatever. Right. Well, <laughs> Let's hop into the stories. Let's go. Uh, so th- this has been kind of talked about since the PS5 was first kind of shown off in that teardown video about its ability to have an M.2 SSD uh, expansion slot. Um, so this comes from IGN. So there's a beta update coming for the PS5, and I, I think you can sign up as a, 
if you're a member of the public, I think you can sign up for this beta. Uh, obviously, take do that at your own, your own risk, um, particularly with how uh, rare PS5s are right now. You don't want to oh, screw that's up a good your point. only one. You know? uh, so anyway, they're, they're adding the uh, finally adding the M.2 SSD support. Um, as expected, it must be a PCIe Gen 4 NVMe drive. And Sony recommends a read speed of 5,500 megabytes per second or faster. Both single and double-sided drives are supported. Uh, the specifications note, so it's a very tiny kind of space where you need to fit these in. Um, 25 millimeter wide drives are not supported. So you need to make sure that your M.2 drive is 22 millimeters wide. Uh, and an easy way, I guess, is to, to find out what the size is, is these drives are actually labeled 2230. 2242, 2260, 2280, or 22110. And that is the corresponding length 22 millimeters wide, 30 millimeters long. So those are the only ones, the ones I listed are the only ones that are supported. Uh, and Sony warns that it uh, cannot guarantee that all M.2 drives meeting its specifications will work with the PS5. <laughs> now, I think people are making a big deal out of this, right? Because they're saying, oh, my God, Sony is saying that even if, even if you buy one of these expensive drives, it might not work. I think that's true of any drive with any computer, right? Imagine if you look in the small print of any, like, motherboard or something, you know, they will not guarantee that all M.2 drives will work in those slots, right? They probably shouldn't have just, they probably just shouldn't have said that, though. But they're trying to cover their asses, too, right? Fair. Um, but I think people are making a bigger deal of that. I imagine if you buy a standard branded uh, M.2 drive that meets these specifications, it probably likely will work, right? Mm-hmm. I guess the Pres- bigger presumably. issue is... <laughs> I guess the bigger issue is the performance can vary, right? This, uh... I mean, you haven't even gotten into the heat, whole heatsink thing, too. Yes, right? yeah, that's a whole other thing, yeah. This, you know what? To cover the heatsink thing, and then I got like a, I got a question for you, actually. Okay. Uh, importantly, Sony says that M.2 drive installed will require a heatsink to dissipate any additional heat generated by the SSD. It should be noted that many M.2 drives purchasable on the market do not come with integrated heatsinks, uh, and so users looking to simple, simply plug and play should opt for an M.2 drive with a built-in heatsink, no more than eleven point two five millimeters tall. So this is my question to you is, okay, now that we have all this information, you know, you've listed off, you know, effectively a bunch of statistics, this and that. Uh, You also have like, you know, this potential heatsink being there or not being there. uh, And it has to be a certain height or like it has to be within, you know, no taller than this, whatever thing you just said. I got a question for you. Okay. Is this M.2 drive slot, whatever you want to call it, this M.2 support better or worse or worse, excuse me, than the Xbox Series having effectively memory cards, is what we'll call them. I think if you made me choose, like right now, Mm -hmm. I would say that the uh, Xbox is a better solution. I agree with you. However, I think there's more pros and cons to weigh uh, than that. Because, um, one, you have more... Uh, variety with the drives you can purchase potentially if they mm-hmm. work right so you can you can find better prices 
um, and you can find different sizes. I believe the, the Xbox One only comes in one terabyte as of now, mm-hmm. right? The PlayStation 5 supports up to four terabytes. So if you have the dough, and that's going to be expensive, you can do it. But if you, if you wanted to, like, you could do it. That's the thing. Yeah. So I think I think in that sense, um, it depends on how techy you are, right? Are you the, and how much money you're willing to spend on on something like storage. Right. Uh, I'm going to look this up right now. I'm looking up Xbox Series memory expansion. And listed on Amazon without, like, scrolling down forever. Uh, there is an Amazon's Choice Seagate storage expansion card for Xbox XS Series XS. Excuse me, one terabyte. So you're right there. Canadian price, $297.48. Mm-hmm. Now, that's probably before tax and whatever else, but... Um, Interesting comparison, because like you're right, like you could cho- do whatever you want. You know, you could like not really hot swappable, but you could have a couple of drives, I suppose. Although you, you could probably do that with the memory cards, too. I haven't really like checked that. Uh, the thing is with this is like this is just a bit too. This is just a bit too technical for a console that I think a lot of people bought because they don't want to mess with a computer. Now, we don't know what the stats are ours on that maybe like mm-hmm. maybe there people are more tech savvy than i'm thinking but you know if you had to buy a gaming machine for someone that was not technical i would buy them a console i would recommend a console all the way oh yeah yeah for sure uh but this, this is no really real different other than having to do a little more research and being more careful with what you buy but the ps3 had a user replaceable hard drive and I think the I think even the PS4 did too, right? Yeah, yeah I replaced like, my hard drive. You can um, I, I I think that like you're you're right. Like Sony's taking like the like the utilitarian approach where it's like it's like, hey, like just go buy a hard drive or an M.2 in this case or whatever it is, and like we support this group of stuff. Like mm-hmm. they're being more versatile, like versatile, versatile, whatever. The Xbox is taking the more like and I, and I get this impression from the whole damn experience, to be honest, and it's just an impression or feeling, but the Xbox seems to take the route of like, turn this box on. If you need more storage, plug this bar, plug this memory card in, play your game. Yeah. Uh, the X or the PlayStation is very like, even the look of it is like, it feels like it's an experience. <laughs> like, I <laughs> yeah. feel like I'm getting like, or at least they're trying to like sell me an experience. And like, whereas I understand the M.2 is not part of the experience. This is a part of the thing that they've always done but like to have like all this like imagine telling somebody seriously like imagine telling somebody that that really doesn't know what they're doing like like imagine explaining to them okay go get a 500 gig hard drive forget the m.2 go get a 500 gig hard drive they're not gonna know what the hell they're looking for they're gonna go they're gonna go get something that's like really bad brand or really slow or this and that right the wrong size because there's a three and a half and then there's two and a half, you know, whatever. They're going to get the mm-hmm. wrong thing. They're going to get a memory stick, you know, whatever. Like they can screw this up. Now, is an M- is installing this M.2 hard? No, but there's people that do not touch tech short of like plug into TV and then grab controller and then turn it on. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would almost say that like I would prefer the Sony method, actually. So I'll give them props for having like the openness of just using an M.2. But I think Sony should be sponsoring right out of the gate at least one one SSD. 
Like they should say, this is our Sony one. Like this is our Sony PlayStation five approved one Buy this one. Cause I feel it, like that's going to be more on the, on the drive side. Like they have those Seagate um, partnerships right now. We were kind of talking about that a bit before the podcast, where I think they'll have like, this one is PlayStation approved the Seagate M.2 drive or whatever. I don't know if Sony wants to take the risk and say, these are the drives go buy these, please. You know, but that that leaves a bad taste in my mouth that, you know, if if what you're saying is true, it's like Sony doesn't want to take the responsibility of that. They're telling you it might not work. It's sort of like, is this port work? (laughs) 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 Like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, you know, it should work. And, you know, there's probably going to be very few problems. You know, a lot of this is probably just them covering their ass. But, you know, like people people are going to be like, hey, you know, I bought a cheap one online, but it, it had all the specs. What if it doesn't have a heatsink? Mm-hmm. What if it needs a heatsink? This person has no idea. Goes plugs mm-hmm. it in, overheats. You know, whatever. You know, it, realistically, I just think that they should just come out and say, like, they should just partner with somebody even and just say, here's our one terabyte or five hundred gigabyte or whatever it is offering. This is PlayStation yeah. approved. If you do not want to buy this yeah. one, go and buy another one. Here's the specs. And I would prefer mm-hmm. that method. Uh, one thing I'm concerned about too, just talking about the comparison between the Xbox and PlayStation is obviously one terabyte is pretty large, right? For the expansion card. Um, but let's say by the end of these console life cycles, that games are a lot bigger than they already are. You know, mm-hmm. uh, is, is Xbox going to release a two terabyte expansion card? You know, depends on the streaming. I think, um, to be honest, um, you know, streaming is getting better and better. Like I said, I, I even I'm dabbling in streaming. And if you listen to like a couple, not a couple episodes ago, but like older episodes, like I, I was dead against streaming and it's convenient. You know, streaming is convenient. Yeah. So if especially if a game is online, if if a game is 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 online and it's playable on stream, like you're streaming it, and there's no latency issue. Something like Outriders. Outriders doesn't work unless there's an Internet connection. Why would you download right. it if, if the streaming works? Because if the internet's down, then you're screwed anyway. So Just if you're worried about the latency issues. Right. That, that's what I mean. Like, assuming it's playable, like if it's playable and you don't have any issues with the latency and the stream works, you know, if your internet's down or if Xbox Live is down or Xbox Network or whatever is down, then, you know, if it's an online game, then like, I mean, you're screwed in either case. Something like mm-hmm. Call of Duty, like it's... It, if and this is a big if if that latency is good enough why not if you're unless you're playing the campaign why not why wouldn't because call of duty is massive yeah yeah you know like it's massive <laughs> yeah. so like what i wouldn't do i'd be like hell with this i'm gonna stream i'm bad at it anyway you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think i think time will tell how much hard drive space we actually end up using because we might stop using it so much locally i could see that being a potential So IGN did did do a preliminary like list of SSDs that meet the spec specifications. Again, we'll have to learn, and I'm sure there'll be articles and and tech companies and whatever else doing all sorts of stuff and testing all these drives and giving us a, a oh sure know, a list that that of the drives that do work. Sure, sure. Right. Uh, but they have a Western Digital one here. It's one terabyte. It's seven thousand megabytes per second so that's 2000 more than the recommended and um one terabyte is 249 canadian 
That's a lot, but it's not terrible. How? Sorry, and that was one terabyte? Yeah. I mean, comparable to that memory card that I just said for Xbox, though. Yeah. And there, the extra 50 is for the proprietariness. And you're you're basically saying, I want the convenience. $50 is worth the convenience. You know? It's peace so they're, of mind. You plug it in, and then it works. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you call them, and you get help. <laughs> so if you want to just write it off as them being the same price, basically, you know, you're basically paying for the or you're saving 50 bucks in the labor that you're going to then expend. I mean, you're right, though. You're right in one way that, like, you know, we were in college not too long ago and SSDs are coming out uh, and becoming more widespread. And SSDs are always like, get a 256 or like a 128 because they're too expensive. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the and, and I'm talking like the two and a half inch uh, form factor. Now we're talking, you know, we have these little M.2s. And they're, you know, you're saying, uh, you know, 250 for one terabyte, I think you just said. And, you know, the life of the PlayStation in three, four years, you could see that come down, you know, 50%. Yeah. It, it really depends on supply chains, this and that, of course, uh, whatever. But you could see that seriously come down 50%. So you're right in that, you know, maybe I'm, you know, complaining about, not complaining about choice, but I'm I'm complaining about lack of uh, consumer ease, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, I'll take lack of consumer ease to save 150 bucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's pretty yeah. good. So maybe this is the right move overall. You know, time will tell. Yeah. I think a lot of people are making a bigger deal out of this than, than it actually is. I'm sure once it's out of beta, you know, um, I think we'll see people putting up the, the drives that work and it will be a lot smoother process than it is right now. It'll be advertised too, right? Like even if yeah. it's not like PlayStation approved, people will yeah. say like, "Oh, like PC gamer or like whoever said this works or whatever." Yeah, and right? like I said, right now IGN on the day this happened, they had a, a an article out of the drives that that potentially could work. You know, so we're, right. we're already seeing it get streamlined a little better. Absolutely. All right, um, let's move on to something that's not streamlining anytime soon: the chip shortage that is affecting a ton of industries. Um, obviously affecting the gaming industry uh, in both um, uh, uh, processors, graphics cards, consoles. Um, Apparently it could drag on into 2023. This comes from IGN. Uh, During Intel's Q2 earnings call, CEO Pat Gelsinger? Gelsinger? Don't ask me. (laughs) Expects the chip shortage to continue well into 2022, with supply issues stretching into 2023. And he said, I quote, while I expect the shortages to bottom out in the second half, it will take another one to two years before the industry is able to completely catch up with the demand, end quote. Uh, also in May, <clears throat> excuse me, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang uh, said that he anticipates supply shortages for the RTX 30 series to last until the second half of this year. In the same month, Sony CEF, CFO Hiroki Takoi said during an earnings call that the company is expecting PS5s to remain in limited supply into 2022. How does this make you feel, Matt? This should this chip shortage has always been really confusing to me because you know you and I watched a video where they were saying that it was this is a this is effectively the toilet paper shortage again, where mm-hmm. you know big manufacturers, specifically car manufacturers, basically stopped placing orders because COVID hit because people were buying less cars, and then 
so then they like you know cancel orders or they less had lesser orders whatever it is they lessened the demand so these factories of which there are a few that make these semiconductors then changed to consumer electronics because people were buying stuff to work from home and then the car manufacturers started getting huge demand for cars so then they said hey we need this this like we need our chips and then these places like hey we retooled it's going to take us time again to retool back or whatever this is and then they like to get priority. Allegedly, they started like saying like, oh, I need 100,000 of this like, you know, chip for car one. But I, I'm going to place two. I'm going to place an order for 500,000 to like get priority. And then, it, you know, as all the car manufacturers do this to get priority and to get whatever, then this, you know, effectively the same thing as the toilet paper shortage begins. Right mm-hmm. um, now, I've seen one video, whether that's right or wrong, whether it's more complex than that. I don't know. I don't know who's the guilty party, this and that. What's weird about this to me, though, is that like and and like maybe you can answer this, Ryan, because I, I don't know, like it sucks, like the whole situation sucks. But what I don't get is like people. OK, so people are like a like our countries, I guess, are slowly not every country, but slowly coming out of covid. So some people are going back to work in the office Some people are continuing to work from home. But in any case, you know, there's a computer in the office, let's just say in general, and there's already a computer at home. Now that they've bought them, right? Mm-hmm. So my question is, is like, I short of the Bitcoin mining and the graphics cards, because that's kind of what's affecting them. I don't, one thing I don't understand is like how this, like, would this have happened with COVID or not? I think is my question. Would this have happened regardless? Like the whole tooling thing? Yeah, okay. That's part of it. Fine. But to go to 2023 and not fill the backlog, like, I don't know much about supply chains and stuff. So like you might be, you, the listener might be like, this guy's like talking out of his ass and I am, but like, <laughs> I, but like, I'm, I'm curious, like, it's a serious question. Like, <clears throat> is this something that w- was obvious or was coming and we just sat on it? Is this like, is this something where we're just like, ah, let's we'll have a shortage. I kind of feel like it's a bit of both. I feel like it might've been coming, but maybe they could have held it off until they got more production lines up because Obviously, they do want to expand regardless. I know Intel is building some new plants. I know uh, TSMC is building new plants, including some in the U.S. Um, But those plants are super high tech and they take a long time to build. It's not just something like you add a whole new uh, production line in like a few months. Right. Um, So I think that's what's leading to the backlog is they have this massive demand and they can't meet it because their supply chain takes too long to ramp up to these quickly coming in orders. Right. right. Um, and then I think also just general consumer demand went up for, for all sorts of electronics. And we live in a society where everything we buy basically has a chip in it of some sort. Which is crazy. You know? like, like fridges. Like, good Lord. Yeah, we have all these smart devices. We have all these audio interfaces, speakers, uh, 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 displays, TVs, computers, obviously. Phones are more popular than ever now. Apple's ordering apparently 100 million phones for the next year. You know that's insane. Um, is that is that a, okay? Now I don't know Apple's normal numbers. Hundred million is a big number. Is that big yeah. for them? Yes. Um, uh, they actually had like a record sales this last quarter. I believe they increased their sales by fifty percent uh, globally. I think. Um, and normally, I guess per year they buy like seventy to eighty-five million iPhones. Like they order them for production. Uh, the rumor is right now that they're ordering hundred million for next year. <laughs> so, um, I think just overall, is that a priority we were, thing though? 
Is that is it is this the toilet paper shortage thing where they where they go like I realize they had record numbers it's fine but if they're that's, hundred million is just like hundred million and then someone like it comes across someone's desk and you're like this is for Apple we probably should fill this that's possible and and yeah I do think Apple can throw its weight around like that um, but I was watching a Dave two D video he was talking about that hundred million number and uh, he speculates that some of the most popular iPhones have come when they change the display in in some degree. So the ah. biggest, like the most notable bump in iPhone sales was the iPhone 6 when they first made the iPhone 6 Plus, the larger size display. Right. Right. Um, and then I think I think they had that again, not with OLED, but I think with this recent iPhone uh, 12. Now, what he thinks is going to happen with um, uh, next year's phone, the iPhone 13, is that it's going to have the 120 hertz refresh rate. And they might, there might be predicting that that's going to have a huge bump in sales. We'll see. That's just that's just his speculation. You know, I don't know if refresh rate is is <laughs> fancy enough for people to go run out and buy more iPhones than they did previously. The weirdest thing about this chip shortage too is stuff like this is still happening, like the actual yeah. development of yeah. products. Because when you think a shortage, you think like, holy crap, like. You know, they're going to have to regulate like if you think about like a, something you get every week. So like, let's say groceries, you think there's like a grocery shortage or a food shortage. You, you know, you're, you're thinking or at least I'm thinking, oh, they're going to have specific days where certain neighborhoods can show up and buy their stuff, this and that. Like there's going to be a controlled dispersion, like like you're not only allowed to buy a certain amount of stuff and there's going to be like a controlled shopping day and whatever it is, like whatever. Like that's just what I picture, whether that's how it would happen is, is whatever. But then like they're like, oh, yeah, like the Steam Deck. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I thought there was a chip shortage. Oh, yeah. Like, there's this thing. There's, like, new cars coming out. Like, like what are you talking yeah. about? Like, wh- yeah. like, what do you mean? I thought there was a shortage. I thought we were screwed. It's so weird. Like, it's such a weird. Although, you know what's strange, too, is uh, I think consumer demand has gone up. Um, I know a lot of people have, like, lost their jobs and, and aren't doing well and still need help. But for people who were able to keep their jobs, their expenses went down during lockdown right if you if you drive i have i i filled up my tank like maybe half a dozen times this whole pandemic you know what i, I mean? think i'm less than that yeah i think I did so you're less, saving yeah. gas i haven't gotten an oil change or any kind of other maintenance on my car um you didn't you don't eat out as much and so you're saving money there you know uh and so i think consumers had a lot more disposable money to spend on buying toys and electronics and <laughs> stuff to keep them occupied during a, a lockdown Right, and and that's what's causing a lot of the inflation we're seeing now too is that consumer demand has risen and the supply is not there to meet it, right? So interesting. It's it's, I, it's all a crazy big mess, and uh, and the the recession that the pandemic caused was not a monetary recession, right? It was simply a shut the economy down, <laughs> um, work if you can, basically, you know, like hitting the pause button, kind of. Yeah, and so people weren't like, well, I, some people were, but. A lot of people weren't completely out of money like after the 2008 uh, crisis. So it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating time period, I guess. This stuff is so complex, too. Like I know. You know, you and would need, you know, I would say you need an economist, but you probably need more than one. Yeah, and, and <laughs> anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of repeating things I've seen, I've read, you know. But, I mean, any shortage sucks. And, like, I mean, like, the thing, the thing, like, if we, if we try to make this, like, a slight positive the thing that I would do if I was like in some sort of position of power and like I was selling like a device like the Steam Deck, let's just say, because it's not out yet. 
the Steam Deck and it used four chips that had a shortage. I would the very first thing I would try to do is try to get the engineers to make it down to two or three. And mm-hmm. and we might see some really super innovative ways to get computing power out of stuff. And we might we might seriously see some like serious uh um reduction in our electronics and how much they like use like we mm-hmm. might see some like oh we cut half our components off this board and it does the same thing we could see some real serious innovation come from this and right. uh i mean that you know that i mean it's probably not good for the chip manufacturer but maybe it is because they have so much demand anyway but mm-hmm. i mean that i if we try to like you know just a little bit of positivity there like it could be a cool like time to see what we what people will come up with so yeah, that's true. Um, that is one of the uh, the unique benefits of, I guess, a, a capitalist society is is finding these these ways around uh, challenges like that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it and and the thing is too is it's like we know it's possible just in general because people refactor stuff like from code down to like there's different types of PlayStation threes. You know, there's mm-hmm. a slim PlayStation four. So clearly, you know, people refactor stuff and get similar, if not the same, results. And right. so, you know, in in like in an area in, in an era of surplus, you know, maybe your smart fridge had eight chips in it or something crazy. <laughs> maybe it'll be one now. You know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that there you go. So interesting. Well, that's basically what happened happened with computers, too. Right. Because you, you, you kind of used to have a, a CPU and a GPU, but now you have these integrated ones. Um, that do both, and and now you have stuff like what what like Apple's chips, uh, on, and I think Qualcomm's too, um, where it's it's CPU, processor, RAM, you know, it's basically the entire computer is now basically on one chip. Yeah, SOC know? system on chip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, like that's so we, pretty cool. We might we might see some really cool. It depends on how long this lasts, probably, right? And mm-hmm. and and the thing is too, I noticed too is like I don't know if you noticed Ryan, but like I noticed that if I try to buy something that seems to have a shortage. There seems to be a timeline, which is nice. Like, it sucks yes. that it's not my two-day yeah. shipping or whatever, but usually it'll be like, hey, this will come out in four weeks, and it usually is. Like, yeah. it's it's yeah. bang, four weeks, and it comes. So at least there's, like, a timeline. So it, like, sucks, but it's not like, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. well, I'm yeah. not sure, you know? So. Yeah, that'd be the worst. Yeah. All right. Uh, in some local national news here, uh, EB Games in Canada is going to be rebranded as GameStop by the end of the year. This comes from, kind of ironically, GameSpot. Uh, so since it was announced in the press release, all EB Games in Canada and the online store for EB Games will be swapped over to the GameStop name and brand by the end of the year based on, quote, feedback from our valued customers and stockholders, end quote. Uh, so GameStop acquired EB Games back in 2005, at which point EB Games stores in the US and Europe were rebranded as GameStop. Uh, there are about 4,000 EB Games and GameStop stores across the world. Uh, so now, as you know, Matt, GameStop did try to enter the Canadian market with a separate store titled GameStop. Correct. And that, I guess, kind of failed? Well, some and some s- stores did change to GameStop. So there's there's an incident. There's an in, in, instance, not incident. There's an instance where <laughs> a mall near our area closed and it became a bunch of like stores, like open stores, like a plaza. Yeah. And there was an EV games in there and that same owner or whatever. And it became a GameStop. And then when the GameStop brand left Canada, it just became an EB games again. Mm-hmm. So there's like weird things like that too. 
it's not, this one sounds permanent. This one sounds like they're just the payment over it. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what they're talking about feedback from their customers. I wonder what customers are <laughs> are asking for this. Maybe because of the stock, crazy stock stuff. And people are like, I didn't know EB Games was GameStop. Would that help them? I don't know. I'm just that's a total. I was I was a total shot in the dark. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't I don't see what the benefit is because like all obviously all Canadians or are the the ones who know um, know EB Games is the game store. You know, Electronics Boutique, man. Yeah, uh, and we haven't heard. I know there's EB Games in in Australia too, and I, ah. I haven't <clears throat> I haven't heard whether those are being swapped over or not. Maybe like region at a time. I mean, I'm not a fan that of possible. this and. I'm not a fan of this. Like, I don't know about you. Um, I, I, I am resistant to change, though. Like, I'm not. this isn't the hill I'm going to die on, you know, by any means. But if you ask me point blank, I'd be like, I'm not a fan of this. I'm not saying it's a stupid idea or anything. Um, you know, it, it makes sense. Um, and like I was telling you guys, like my first incentive, like like I've I've been trying to buy stuff from EB Games where like I, I've been I've more, more or less switched over to digital games. But when I go to buy something like I try to buy it from EB Games if I can because I want it to stick around. And I was telling you guys, like, I'm like with the game name GameStop, for some reason, my gut feeling is that I will be, I am less enticed to buy from them. I'm sure I still will, though. Like, this is just very much like a I don't like change, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I also like old stuff. And uh, I like the fact that EB Games was Electronics Boutique. I remember Electronics Boutique because I'm old. So, yeah, I don't know. That that's that's my take on it. But I mean it makes sense and it'll probably make yeah. it more identifiable and I'm sure I'll still shop there. So <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a couple of funny things in their uh frequently asked questions that I just wanted to talk about. Um it's very short. Um, but one of the questions was will GameStop be called well, what will GameStop be called in Quebec? <laughs> I love that that's a question. What you know, I guess they see themselves as not entirely Canada and so uh, they said we will be operating as GameStop in Quebec as well. Um, another funny question here is, can I have one of the old store signs? <laughs> and so they, they answered, we are currently evaluating several options for the EB Games store signs, including an auction for charity. Stay tuned. Fuck. That's, you shouldn't have told me that. I, I, that's not bad. I might... You might bid on one of those? Like, depending on how much it goes for. I don't do know how much signs... It, Matt? What are you gonna I don't do? know. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be a problem, but... Uh, I mean, again, that's a gut feeling and I probably won't do it, but uh, maybe and for people wondering if this is like a repeat of last time and it might it might not work. Um, one of the questions here is, is this just a temporary brand change? You've tried this before in the past. And the answer is this is a permanent logo change. Previously, we had tried a dual brand strategy that quickly highlighted the need to focus on one major brand in the Canadian market. Yeah. Cool. I mean, do you buy stuff from EB Games anymore? No. Like I don't all? even I don't even like go to their site to look for stuff to buy when I'm looking for gaming stuff. See, I I try to do that. Like I I went and got the Dual Sense from EB Games specifically. I'm trying to like right. trying to like keep them alive and help them out a bit. Um, I, I realize I, like my I purchase is not going to. Yeah, see, like, like, like to me, like, I, I go to Best Buy, fine. Like, I, I go to Best Buy for a lot of electronics stuff, uh, for Blu-rays or like whatever else. But, um, when it comes to stuff like this, I'm always just like, you know what? Like, Best Buy kind of has my electronics. Like, I buy my phones there usually and stuff. Mm-hmm. Best Buy has my electronics 
uh, business. I'll like mm-hmm. I don't want EB Games to just die. And I'm, I realize like me buying a DualSense is going to save the whole company, but it's like something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next story here. You remember the ex PlayStation boss Sean Layden? I do. I, oh, I, for some reason I saw, I like instantly got him confused with Jack Trenton. I was no, gonna say like Sean, he paused. You paused awkwardly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's going on here? Ex PlayStation boss Sean Layden bemoans uh, consolidation's eff- effect on diversity and smaller games. This comes from Gamespot. So this was an interview with uh, GamesIndustry.biz. Uh, Layden said that the increased costs of game development are not sustainable, especially since the number of people who own consoles today is roughly the same as in the late 1990s, about 240 to, to, to uh, 260 million. Layden gave the interview after joining the advisory board for Streamline Media Group, where he will be, uh, where he will help provide strategy for both games and business. He said, instead of increasing the audience size, the industry has just gotten people to spend more money on games. Layden said that the smaller studios will soon get priced out of the, the uh, out of making games, and he said, "I quote: With each console generation, the cost of games has gone up two times. So PS4 games were 100 million." To 150, uh, so it stands to reason that PS5 games, uh, when they hit their stride, will be in excess of 200 million dollars. It's going to be very difficult for more than a handful of large players to compete in that space. End quote. That's a really uh, good on, point. Yeah, he went on to say that because of the rising costs, smaller companies will be absorbed into larger ones, limiting the amount of diversity in the games industry. So you, you agree with this uh, this statement? Yeah, honestly, um, it's interesting too because, yeah, you know, I was watching. I was watching, this is this is like a really random thing that seemed to happen, but like it kind of applies here. Is I like really weird like random RPGs that just sort of come out, and I noticed that like they don't just come out anymore. Like I one thing I like a lot in games is actually world building. And so um, Piranha Bytes, which is like a smaller studio, has made like games like Gothic. And like various sequels to that and then like Elex and stuff like that. And like I've been interested in being like, you know, Elex, you know, is, is a is like a B or a double A, whatever you want to call it, RPG. But I like the world. Maybe I'll just try it. I probably won't beat it, but I like fucking around in different worlds and stuff. And when I when I bought it, it was only like a few bucks on a Steam sale, if I remember correctly. And and one of the things I thought to myself was like, you know, Piranha Bytes is the only other studio is the only studio I can think of. Other than a big studio like Bethesda that really makes RPGs that I play. And I used to really like playing like Two Worlds and like little random RPGs like Boiling Point and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like this kind of speaks to that, you know. Um, It seems like a lot of industries are like swallowing each other up and like bigger and bigger companies are becoming the norm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's he's right. People are spending more because of microtransactions, seasons, this, that, whatever. And we... I can't remember where I heard it. It might've been on a Victor Lucas podcast or something, but they were talking about how games are these massive Titans that are extremely difficult to make. They cost a bunch of money. We got movie stars and TV stars involved now. (laughs) You know, we got massive involved, massive investment, excuse me, in like audio, massive investments in um, motion cap with those stars, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, and the thing is, here's the thing. It's really obvious when you're playing something that isn't AAA made now. Right. Back in the day, it was sort of like, eh, you know, maybe this is AAA. Maybe it just doesn't have online mode or something. Mm-hmm. 
Now it's like, Jesus, that's not mo-capped. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. Jesus, this is a really awkward uh, little cutscene here. And again, I'm willing to forgive that, but like, you know, he's not wrong. I think this is a really good point is that like, like take a look at the, the indie scene on Steam. When you look at a game on Steam, you can more or less tell that it's an indie game. Mm-hmm. As games become more cinematic and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, there's there's still going to be a market for indie games, of course. You know, the indie, the indie game market's kind of new-ish, like, or at least kind of new-ish to it. Like, it kind of took off on Steam. That's what I'm kind of talking about. All right. And a lot of people play a lot of little random games on there that are early access. So I think those guys are, like, relatively safe. But the, the, the difference in your AAA experience versus your indie experience is going to, like, really differ. And the sad thing is, is the indie devs and the smaller devs try stuff out. They try weird, weird like, world-building things. They try weird stories. They try different things like that. Where the AAA guys go, okay, we got the Star Wars license, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Or, like, The Division, a military shooter. Like, they, mm-hmm. like they, they know the formulas, for the most part, that will get them money or will statistically give them money. And they know, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to, like, move... Like, we're going to move these features into a season pass and, like, drip feed them. You know, they have the formulas and they have all this shit. And it's 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 honestly a shame. Like, something like the the new, like, that new Mafia, like, Mafia Definitive Edition, is honestly something that I would never in a million years, if you ask me about it, I would say it's probably a modding project. I would never in a million years have assumed that that was ever in development or would ever come out. Because that's an old school game that you can only make money on effectively once, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You can't. You, there's no microtransactions. There's no bullshit. There's nothing like that. So, like, what's the point in making it? And like, it's. I love the fact that they made Definitive Edition because the first game's like really good. But like, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's interesting to me that like this. I. I this is a really good point. Like, I'm actually like fully on Sean Layden's uh, side on this. Actually. Hmm. No. Oh. I mean, I think it's just an effect of the industry maturing, right? This has happened in countless industries that we've seen that that started small and have grown larger and larger. Obviously, the movie industry kind of, you know, they're all buying each other. Um, uh, computer industries are buying each other and constantly buying startups and, and all those other things, you know. Um, I don't know if there really will be a stop to this. Other than when it gets to the point where like governments need to step in, you know, which is kind of happening in the in the tech industry right now. So, um, unfortunately, I think it's just <laughs> the way things are going to work. You know what I mean? Well, the thing the thing is is like is like the like okay, the one of the most simple things that I can think of or something that you like need to get right. Let's just say is an example, mm-hmm. and we'll like we can discuss this. Is is your controls? Your controls got to mm-hmm. feel good. Okay, so. Like I said, I can already forgive. Like, I love that Terminator game. That game doesn't look the greatest. It has really bad voice acting. Um, <laughs> and whatever. Like, some of the voice actors are fine, but some of them, it's like, this is, like, clearly an indie game. And, like, the game mechanics are kind of like, eh. But, like, I just really like it. Whatever. I can overlook a lot of the stuff. But the controls in a lot of these games. So, the most recent one I played is actually Stranded Deep. That's an indie game that was released on PS4. Stranded Deep is a game I actually wanted to play. Now, I, I, I just like dabbling in survival games. They get boring to me, and I, I never really beat them, and I stopped playing them. But I, what I'm noticing in these lower-budget titles is 
down to even the controls, the controls don't feel as good. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know whether that's just like, you know, a slight tweak they got to do, whether it's like on a million dollar thing they got to figure out or whatever that they have to do. But like now it's getting to this point where the like, what do they call it? The disparity. Hopefully that word's being used correctly. The disparity between indie game and triple A game is getting way bigger, <laughs> way yeah. bigger to the point where like I the thing I remember most about Stranded Deep is I didn't like the the, the controls and how the analog sticks and the aiming felt. That's the but you never really have that even even 76, which is like not really good at aiming, feels better than some of these other games that like you play that are like indie games where it's like, Jesus, like this was made in Unity, you know, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, it's just not not quite as precise. And, you know, just something down to the controls. Like, I don't know. I don't know about you, Ryan, but like you like quality and you like having, you know, you don't really seem to like early access and whatever. You know, I think this is actually going to shut you out of a lot of games because I think like a lot like if a two worlds three came out, I'd I'd play that. Right. (laughs) But I think a lot of people are not going to because there's a lot of people that play these big epics and these large budget titles that a are too busy because they got season passes to do. But B, they're going to be like, Jesus, like, Mm -hmm. was this made like like 10 years ago? Like, what is this? I mean, I think it's just the next step for indie games. And then and I do feel a little uh, I, I do feel bad because. I was pretty harsh on indie games when they started kind of gaming, gaining steam. I remember some podcasts I was kind of railing on them <laughs> a bit uh, just because of the poor quality. And, and it's like, well, I, I have no I have zero skill to make a game, so I can't really comment. Um, so I do want to apologize for that. But I think they have come a long way where you're seeing these really small teams make make games that look pretty good. Um, but you are right. They still struggle a lot of the times with getting that kind of feel down. Um, and I think that's just a matter of time, right? As they gain the skills, just like the big AAA studios did, they they had to they have people who focus on what a gun feels like when you shoot it, or how the character moves when they're when they're running or when they're hit, and you know, and every, everything is now uh, they have to they have to learn that and and, and find out what feels best. And I think that's just a matter of time for the, the indie devs to figure that out. I suppose that's true. Um... One thing though this also does is it 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 bring it makes it I mean it's it was already difficult it makes it even more difficult in my opinion to to make a competitor in in a game market now. Mm-hmm. So you see some indie games thrive. Uh, I believe Disco Elysium is an indie game. Don't call me on that. So, yeah. But there's other indie games that are like really innovative and really interesting and weird and they're isometric and so they're like the graphics just aren't perfect or like they're just completely over the top and you're overlooking like there's that one game where you're looking over like an apartment mm-hmm. and you're in like a time loop or something and so the graphics don't need to be just so but like that's not what the game is about super hot is another example stuff like that yeah and so these indie games are like pushed to these you know these innovative sides of which they've usually been in too but like if you're an, a, a developer that really wants to, you know, you don't want to take over Call of Duty. That's going to be really hard. But like, if you want to get into the shooter market and you have a really cool idea for just a military shooter and a cool story, like good, good freaking luck. Because mm-hmm. if I like even me, like if I boot up your your military shooter and it doesn't feel good to play, I mean, I'm playing That's, home front. Yeah. I can't say much, but like, if like short it's a hard of the. Sell. It's a hard sell. Yeah. Like Homefront, yeah. like it sold me over time mm-hmm. and it was also super freaking cheap. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is right. Yeah. It's funny though. Like thinking back on, on old AAA shooters, they do feel clunky too. Imagine playing resistance, the first resistance. 
Oh, like, yeah. When I first played it, I was probably having the time of my life. But if I went back to it now, it probably feels funky and just downright strange. 100%. I agree with you. No, like it's because yeah. the game, game industry has come a long way. And a lot of it is probably and, I'm you know, I don't work there. But a lot of it is probably due to the hundreds, literally hundreds of millions of dollars that's being spent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, like I said, I think it's going to happen no matter what. Um, obviously, with uh, with the competition like it is between the two main console manufacturers, uh, the way they think they need to make money is by having the games. And the way to secure the games on your platform is to own the studios, right? And and you can kind of blame, I guess, Sony uh, for for starting that. I know, I know, Nintendo, you know makes their own games and stuff but uh but sony kind of had the with the ps3 they had all these great exclusives that came out and that's what drove the ps3 to have success at the end of its life cycle it boosted the ps4's life cycle you know so xbox is responding by buying up their own studios and then playstation now has to respond to that by buying more studios you know it's just the way things go I wonder I wonder what the next boom will be like there like I kind of the last thing I can think of is really the at least in my memory, is the the Steam, like the the blow up of indie games. I know mobile right. games kind of like came out of nowhere. They they were kind of always there, and then they're just like, yeah, it's big. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't didn't seem like a big blow up. Um, yeah. I wonder what the next big blow up will be. Like, I wonder if there's gonna be some like crazy streaming service that's for all these lower end you know, not AAA games, and it just blows up. Like, people love that would it. That be and interesting. They, they play the fuck out of it, and it becomes this big streaming slash you can download it to your PC or whatever, and it becomes this huge market where it's that like... That might be Game Pass. That might be Game Pass, you know, mm-hmm. so, but like a Game Pass for, like, indie titles or something. Like, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Or or who knows? Netflix is entering the, the, stream, <clears throat> the streaming space for games, so that could change the landscape, too. Oh, that's so weird, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's move on to our final story for the week. Uh, gaming is apparently so popular uh, that EA executive says that the term gamer is outdated and is basically useless. This comes from GameSpot. Um, Electronic Arts VP L. McCarthy, who is the VP of brand at EA, and her current mission is to reinvent and reinvigorate EA from a branding perspective. That's a tall order. <laughs> I wish her luck. Um, speaking to Adweek, uh, McCarthy said gaming is, quote, no longer a medium or an industry, it is simply interactive. You can now interact with most almost any, everything through play, from an interest area like interior design to a movement like Black Lives Matter or exploring your sexual identity. Uh, I often get asked about how brands can partner with gaming or talk to gamers, but there's really no such thing as gamers at all, and understanding that will be crucial, uh, she said. Um, Did you know that only 14% of players self-identify as gamers? And that is as low as 6% for women. It might be the safety someone finds in playing with people like them, free from the shackles of identity politics that can factor less in uh, positive gaming spaces than they do in the world. Um, End quote. With all this in mind, McCarthy said the term gamer is useless because it no longer, uh, it's no more significant than pointing out that people breathe air. And then finally, she uh, she said, quote, there are no best practice rules for how to engage with these niche, multifaceted and passionate communities. Trying to target gamers is like saying you're targeting people who like music or people who breathe air, end quote. 
So that's a lot there, Matt. But uh, I think I think that end quote is probably the best way to wrap it up. <clears throat> you don't say I need to focus on people who like music, you know, and and maybe gaming has has reached that place in our society now where it's just another thing that everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're not you're not you're not called a moviegoer, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I was, a music I was, listener. I was, uh, what's that? Susie's seat kicker or something they say at Cineflex? Don't be oh, a yeah, Susie seat kicker. Right. I was trying to think of one of those names. <laughs> they, don't, they don't call us Susie seat, seat kickers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say... What, uh, go ahead. Sorry, Ryan. I was going to say, what, what do you think about the term gamer? Do, do you consider yourself a gamer? So uh, I like the comparison to music, actually, because the thing I was thinking of is, like, if you say... So like like you Ryan is a good example actually. So like you know I'll I will listen to music very little if any I prefer podcasts and then that's just me, right? But you like you actually know like you have a proper vinyl setup, you have you play music yourself, you have audio equipment, you've like dumped money into it. Now none of these things are you know completely the like hey, if you've spent 50,000 you're a music lover, you know, nothing like <laughs> right, that. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like that's like a part of like what you do a lot. Like you wear band shirts, you wear this and that. But if you like saw me for like every day for like a year, I'm never in a band shirt, you know, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. So I always kind of thought that like an audio, like, you know, the the term audiophile where you're like super into like the sound of like, like what it sounds like. Right. So you have the best headphones and the best cables and all this stuff. And you hate MP3s usually <laughs> is what I always hear. <laughs> I'm not an audiophile. So like, you know, I, I I'm kind of talking in my ass here, but what I, what I always kind of thought was that that gamer became more like audiophile ah. where it's the people that and this is like a loose definition and this is my own definition. But I always thought it was the people that like I have a gaming desk. I have a gaming microphone. I have a gaming computer. I have a gaming laptop. I have all the mm-hmm. consoles like it's like I spend money on games, whereas someone like my girlfriend, like she played the absolute living crap out of Animal Crossing. I knew she was playing it, didn't realize how far she got. She beat the living shit out of it. And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> like, holy fuck, like you're like you're way further than me. Like you're way further, but she's not, doesn't identify as like a gamer. She's not like, that's what I do. But like, I'm like thinking about games all the time. We're looking up the news. We're doing this and that. So I'm wondering, cause it's weird, right? Like you're not an audiophile, but you're like a music listener. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like, I don't know where that is. Like, that's what I mean by this is very loose, but I would say like gamer has kind of become like, like the term pro gamer is, is a legitimate thing now, right? Mm Esports gamer or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I would say the term gamer is more like at the stage of audiophile. I think that's good, Matt. I think I agree with that. I think that's really good. Hey, look at that. No arguments. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Adrian will be listening to this and he'll be like, no, no, it's a remake. It's a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I think gamer seems to still have that negative connotation with it too. Right, because gaming's relatively new in terms of entertainment, and and particularly by the older generation, still seen as like a, a toy or a, a a more childish form of entertainment, and and gamer seems to like kind of carry that weight, you know. Yeah, it's like the old term. It's like yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's like almost like an insult, like nerd or something. Mm-hmm. Is what what we what we maybe like experienced back in the day. 
Yeah. And and when I was younger, you wouldn't come across too many people who played video games. Um apart from like your close friends and, and, and stuff, but the adults and stuff never did. Now it's like almost like everyone I talk to plays video games in some degree, you know. It's, and there's a lot of different games nuts. out there. Like my mm-hmm. parents play games all the time, but they play like those like I spy like games where you like seek, you know, you like look up a list of stuff. You're like trying to find it in like a big crowded room or something. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Where it'll yep. be like find like three cherries in this like picture of a grocery store or whatever. And like they, yeah. they play the living shit out of that, but they would never call themselves gamers. Right. Well, it's interesting, though. I think that's an interesting um, take on it. I, I like I like what you said, Matt. Audiophiles are gamers now. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely building your own PC, looking, you know, getting the best performance out of it. That's totally in the same vein as as an audiophile looking for the greatest sound, you know. And and um, it's it's something you could target marketing wise. Like you you would to someone who just wants a computer that works that they might play games on sometimes, telling them the cheapest, most efficient fan, boom, done. Mm-hmm. To a gamer in general. You might be saying like, hey, man, like I got RGB on this, <laughs> you know, but seriously, though, yeah. like, you know what I mean? If like they, that if they would know what be... RGB is. They're a gamer. Yeah, there you go. There's another one. Yeah, there's another definition. <laughs> all right, Matt, that's all we got. It was a lot. It was good. That was good. Um, you can catch us on the uh, the old Twitch there doing our gamer thing. Um <laughs> Twitch.tv slash Day One Patch Media, eight thirties, eight thirty p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays, and um, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.